In Nehemiah, the 8th chapter, Nehemiah 8, and then 1 Peter 1 will be going to, I believe. We've been on the subject of the joy of faith. The joy of faith. You know, if you really believed it was done, what would that do for you? (laughs) The joy of faith. You show me a faith person, I'll show you a person with some joy. It's the truth. You show me a person with some joy, I'll show you a strong person. Because as we've seen in Nehemiah, that's what your joy is. The Bible describes here in Nehemiah, the 8th chapter, how the people had gotten away from God, but then under the leadership of Nehemiah, they've come back. And after hearing the Word of God for hours one day, they realized how far off they had gotten, and they're crying, and they're sorrowing. And uh, Nehemiah and the priest told them in in Nehemiah 8 9, he said, uh, don't mourn, don't weep, because the people were weeping. And verse, that's verse 9. Verse 10, he said, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to them that for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Said out loud, don't be sorrowful. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't be sorry, or we'd say sorrowful, mourning they were. Don't be sorrowful and mourning, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We saw in Corinthians where the sorrow of the world works death. Sorrow, ungodly, worldly sorrow, drains you. It weakens you. It works death in you. But the joy of the Lord does the opposite. It quickens you. Hallelujah. And it strengthens you. Joy is life force. Many don't believe this. They they think, oh, we're just talking about some psychological state. No, that's discounting the reality of the word. Spirit is real. There's more to human beings than mind and body. We are a spirit. We're spirit, soul, mind, body. And uh, spiritual things, the Holy Spirit in us is real. And he is a spirit of life, not the spirit of death. And in life... There's joy, not depression, not sorrow. Now, is there a lot of sorrow in this world? Is there a lot of grief and pain and vexation? And is there a lot of sorrow and grief in the church amongst believers? But it ought not be. And it doesn't have to be. And it is a bad witness. I said, it's a bad witness. (laughs) I don't want to be a bad witness. What about you? Now, one reason we keep talking about these things is uh, if you tell someone, if you read them these words, quit being sorrowful, stop mourning, uh, rejoice, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. (laughs) A A lot of folks would cry harder. And just become angry with you. Is that right? And emphatically tell you in between sobs and Kleenexes. That you just don't understand. And you don't know what they have been through. And they can't help it. Many Christians believe that they can't help but sorrow and grieve. They would like for things to be different, but 
they just can't help it because of the situation that they're in and because of the things that have happened and they believe very firmly if it had happened to you, you wouldn't be joyful either. But is this reality? You can believe something strongly and it not be true. You can be absolutely convinced of a thing and it be a lie. That is what it means to be deceived. You believe it's that way, but it's not. Go with me. I know we talked about Peter, but for now, they'll just put it on the screen for us. Philippians 4.4. 4. If you don't know these, mark them down. Let them get etched in you. Philippians 4.4. 4. What did it say? Who's the understood subject on this? You. Rejoice in the Lord all way. And again I say, rejoice. The, the BBE says, be glad in the Lord at all times. And again I say, be glad. When? Is this possible? Is this possible? Be glad in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord all at all times. At all times. Is this possible? Do most people do it? No. Is it possible? Should we do it? Be glad in the Lord at all times. Again I say, be glad. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 said a similar thing. It said, have joy at all times. Or in the King James, rejoice evermore. Same thing. Is the Lord telling us to rejoice all the time. Is he? Then what is our response? <laughs> what is our response to this direction, this commandment, if you will? Rejoice in the Lord always. What if you were looking at the master tonight? He looked at you. He called your name. He said, rejoice all the time in me. Rejoice at all times. <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> and then what would you do? <laughs> if he's telling us to rejoice, it must be a choice. It has to be a choice or he wouldn't tell us like this. And he certainly wouldn't say do it all the time because he would know if there are times that you just can't. Wouldn't he know? Then he would have said do it when you can. <laughs> is, that, is that right? I know you can't always, but when you can't. But I reckon if that would have been the way it should have been said, that would have been the way it was said. Right. This is a great revelation. Rejoicing is a choice. Say it out loud. Rejoicing, Rejoicing is a choice. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about your feelings. The characteristic of a carnal or immature Christian is that they're feeling dominated, feeling ruled. The parallel is the same with natural development. Little ones are big on how they feel. Is that right? I mean, before they can talk or walk, if they feel uncomfortable, they will yell, they will scream, they will cry, and they don't care if they wake you up. Is that right? They don't care if they interrupt something important that's going on. They are completely oblivious yep. to your feelings or your needs. And people, it doesn't just make them angry and mad because they know they are a baby. They don't realize, but are they feeling conscious? It's their whole world. 
Is that right? And it changes slightly <laughs> by the time they're teenagers. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just listen to teenagers describe, oh, I feel pretty good today. I didn't feel very good. Why didn't you go? I didn't feel good. I didn't, I feel, I just feel, I really feel. I, why don't you feel? I feel, feel, feel. This is being unspiritual. And you expect some of that out of babies and young ones. But we're supposed to grow up. I said we're supposed to grow up and learn that feelings don't necessarily mean anything. Just because you feel a certain way does not mean that what you're feeling is true or right or that you have a right to feel that way. Come on, are you with me? We have to learn to discern our feelings. If you're led by feelings and dominated by feelings, you will be unstable your entire life and you'll be easily defeated spiritually. Rejoicing is a choice. You can choose to rejoice in the middle of crying. In the middle of feeling terrible. In the middle of being hit with the worst circumstances. You can choose. Oh, is anybody listening? Is anybody listening? I'm talking about how to be spiritual now. I'm talking about how to overcome anything. I'm talking about how to have miracles in the midst of bad situations. You can choose, everybody say choose, choose, choose to rejoice completely independent and a lot of times completely contradictory to what you're feeling and what you're seeing. That's what being spiritual is. I don't walk by, by sight. I don't walk by feeling. I'm not walking by experiences or circumstances. That's not what my believing is based on. It's not what my expectation is based on. My believing is based on what he said to me. Hallelujah. By his word and by his spirit. And therefore my expectation is based on that same thing. And that's why in the middle of a bad situation, I can rejoice about something else. That's not how the unsaved world acts and reacts. And it's not how immature baby Christians act either. But we can grow up. Can we grow up? If he's telling us to rejoice, then it must be a choice. Look with me in Matthew, the fifth chapter, if you would. Let's look at some of these. Matthew 5 and 10. Jesus said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you. Now, reviling is not nice. <laughs> I know your flesh would like for everyone to like you. But that's just living in a dream world. <laughs> Everyone's not going to like you. They're not. If the wrong people like you, you're not doing good. <laughs> in Jesus. Did everybody like Jesus? No, they did not. There were people who wanted to kill him and did. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. Didn't he say that? They will hate you. We should not be shocked when somebody says something ugly about us. When somebody reviles us or persecutes us, says all manner of evil, all manner of evil against you, falsely. They're lying. They're making stuff up. And what are you supposed to do? Verse 12. <laughs> what, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> Is that what most Christians do? 
No. No. They quit going to church. Why? Because so-and-so on the other side talked about me. And, and they pile up in the bed and don't go to work and feel sorry. They sorrow and mourn and grieve. Then they get mad and lose their temper. And then they're hurt to the core and do all kind of stuff except this. <laughs> Would you feel like rejoicing when somebody just smeared your name, called you everything except a nice fella, <laughs> reviled you, lied on you, tried to hurt you, persecuted you, does that make you feel like rejoicing? No, it does not. But could you, instead of having a meltdown, could you choose to rejoice and not just play with it, be exceeding Glad, Luke says, leap for joy. <laughs> Could you do it? Yeah, why? Because you're not thinking about what they're saying. You're thinking about why they're saying it. Because you're a believer. You're doing what the Lord told you to do. Saying what he told you to say. And they're having a major problem with that. And... Uh, your reward is great in heaven and they're treating you the same way they treated Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. You're in some tall company here, brother. Then you're glad ungodly people don't like you. You're thinking about your reward. You're thinking about the company that you're in. Can you see that? How do you do it? How can you choose to rejoice by choosing to look at this instead of this? If you keep replaying what they said about you, you're not going to rejoice. You keep pondering and thinking and hashing and rehashing and talking with everybody about how dirty they did you and about how they treated you. You're going to lose all your joy. You're going to lose all your peace and you're going to lose all your strength. And you'll be completely in the flesh, easily defeated. And you can be destroyed like that. That hurt and that anger can chew you up until there's nothing left. You don't have anything to give anymore, any strength or any hope or anything in your relationships. That's how many marriages fail. That's how many families come apart, lose your job, stop helping in the church, whatever the case might be. When all the time you could have been rejoicing. You could have been if you had chosen to. If you had chosen to look at that, look at my reward, look at the company I'm in, look at, think about what Jesus said to me. He, what did he say? Rejoice. So why? Because you got a good reward. Because you're in this kind of company. Besides that, who are they and what did it matter what they said and who will remember it a thousand years from now? So why should I be obsessed with this? And live in this cloud of depression for why? Why? It's just letting the enemy manipulate you. It's letting him deceive you. It's letting him rob you. He's a thief. He's robbing you of your peace. Robbing you of your joy. And it's too precious to let anybody steal it over anything. Somebody say, I'll refuse to let anybody or anything steal my joy. And my peace. You don't have to. I said you don't have to. But you got to make up your mind to quit thinking about that. And quit talking about that. And look at something else. Talk about something else. In Luke 10. Luke 10 verse 20. He said notwithstanding in this they were rejoicing because the demons were subject to them. In this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. See, it begins to be more and more clear rejoicing is a choice. Because here he tells you, no, 
Quit rejoicing over that. Then you can. And start rejoicing over this. We can choose. We can take our focus off of this and put it on this. Come on, can you see this? We have that ability being made in the image of God. We have a will. We have a mind. We can focus our mind at our will. Now, if you're immature, you just let your feelings and circumstances dominate you and you bump along and up and down and unstable and act like I can't help it. I can't help it. Things are good. Oh, I'm happy. Things are bad. I'm sad. They're better. I'm a little better. They're worse. I'm worse. (laughs) They're terrible. I'm terrible. They're wonderful. Yay. (laughs) But it only lasts for half a day and then something else. That's like the unsaved world lives. And we don't have to. Jesus didn't live this way. I said Jesus didn't live this way. And I don't have to live this way. You don't have to live that way. What can we do? Are there many good reasons why the Lord told us rejoice all the time? And I'm telling you again, rejoice all the time. Said it in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice all the time. Tell your neighbor, look at them, help them out. Rejoice all the time. Rejoice all the time. All the time. All the time. Now it's not just about making noise, although sometimes you will get loud when you're really rejoicing, and that's fine. But you can rejoice in the middle of the night without barely making a sound. You can wake up and go, Oh, God is so good to me. Lord, I worship you. I rejoice. I'm your child. You're my father. It's not about just making noise, it's about what's going on on the inside. It's a choice. It's a choice. But the enemy is always trying to steal. He's a thief. And he's always trying to steal your joy. Because he knows if he does that, he stole your strength. And you're easy to defeat. He's always trying to rob you of your peace. Because he knows if he robs you of your peace, you're easy to confuse. Easy to mislead. So we want to keep him waiting. And we want to be very strong and make up our mind, nothing is stealing my joy. And nothing is robbing my peace. I refuse to. And the way I do it is by what I choose to look at, choose to think about, choose to talk about. I know some folks have thought I was a little short with them in conversations. And I, I don't necessarily mean to be, but the Lord's teaching me when to cut off something that's not profitable. Once I know what the problem is, and you're telling me for the fourth time, (laughs) I'm probably going to interrupt you. And I should. Because you are looping. (laughs) You're in a loop. Yep, but they said I had to have, and I've got to have X amount of money by the end of the month, and I don't know where I'm going to get it, and and you've already told me three times. I got a good memory. A lot of times people don't realize it, but see, this is a trick of the enemy. And if you're doing that, are you rejoicing? Are you glad? Do you have any peace? Is this going to allow God to get involved in your affairs? Is there any faith in this? And so I care about you, and I want you to get help. And I, I can't agree with you believing it's hopeless. Amen. I'm not going to agree with you that it can't be fixed, that it's too bad, that it's the worst thing that's ever happened. I'm not going to agree with you about any of that. And as we grow, we learn the moment you start talking about something, you realize There's defeat in that. There's fear in that. There's no future in that. Stop it right now. Stop. Stop. Cut that off. Turn over here. What did the Lord say? What did he say and what is he saying? What did he say about this in his word? And what's the Spirit of God saying to us right now? That's going to be in line with his word, of course. Come on, are y'all with me? 
If you keep talking the problem, keep talking the problem, you're going to be joyless with no peace, no faith. And that's how you just go down, down, down. So I, the Lord's helping me, and I know He's helping you if you're listening, to train yourself. How long does it take to find out what the need is, what the problem is? <laughs> Not long. Right? And once we know, what now? Quit talking about it. We know. We don't have to tell God about it 500 times. Oh God, they said, he knew before you told him. Oh God, I need, I need, I need. We've got to have, we've got to have. Oh God, oh God. There's no faith in any of that. Got to quit talking that. Got to cut it off, cut it off, cut it off. Somebody say cut it off, cut it. Or your flesh will want to talk about it. And when you make a decision not to talk about it, three people will call you and want to talk about it. (laughs) And what's going on is a spiritual battle. It's happening where thoughts and feelings and suggestions are concerned. You've got to shut them out. You've got to cut them off. You've got to cast them down. And the way you can tell how well you're doing at it is by your joy level and your peace level. You can tell how well you're doing by how much joy you have, how much rejoicing you're doing, how much peace you have. What did the Lord tell us to do? Rejoice when? 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 All the time. They told you you got a terminal disease. Well, buddy, it's TTR. <laughs> it's time to rejoice. About what? Not about the bad report, not about the symptoms. It's time to rejoice that I have a healer. I have a healer. And nothing's too hard for him. Is that right? And he already told me with long life he would satisfy me and show me his salvation. He already told me nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is impossible for him. I get to thinking about that and rejoicing about that. Now I'm in the path of light. And in his light I will see light. And it'll get brighter. And if I stay with him, he'll take me right out of this thing. Is that right? Right into where I need to be. But if I fixate on that bad report, if I fixate on my feelings and my symptoms, I will lose all my joy. I'll cry and feel sorry for myself. I will lose all my peace. And that's how you perish. That's how you go down just like any of the unsaved. Said out loud, rejoicing is a choice. Look in Philippians 1. If you're upset, If you're mad, if you're angry, if you're hurt, or me, it's because that's what we chose. Well, I did not. Yeah, you did. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you chose to talk about, think about, look at, fixate on. If I'm rejoicing, it's because that's what I chose. And every hour of every day, you can choose either one. I can be sad and upset and hurt and mad about something all day. Can't you? Oh, come on. Millions of people are proving this. Can you? Something. You can be mad about this didn't happen. You can be mad about this person's not acting the way that they should. You can be mad about something you saw on the news. You can be mad about this, mad about the other. Something to be upset about. And to find fault with. Not enough of this. Too much of that. This is wrong. This is not right. The earth is full of this. And if you want to look at it and talk about it, you will have no joy. You will have no peace. You'll have no strength and no victory. But at the same time, no matter what's going on in the same circumstances that other people are crying and feeling sorry for themselves about, you could be rejoicing. Because there's something, if you're willing to look at it, there's something to rejoice about in the midst of this. Depends on our choice. What we look at. In Philippians, are you there? Paul is telling by the Spirit of God 
Philippians 1.14, he said, Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, he's in jail. And you know, we just got through reading Rejoice in the Lord Always. That's from the same book. Somebody who's in jail, and the jails were not nearly as nice as they are today. Back then. I'm not to say they're nice now, but they really weren't nice back then. And he's encouraging them. Be rejoicing all the time now. <laughs> Instead of going, oh, y'all got to pray. Oh, y'all got to get me out of here. Oh, this is awful. Oh, the food. Oh, I can't even begin to tell you about the food. <laughs> Would there have been plenty for him to be upset about, to be unhappy about? Yes, but is he doing that? If you read the book of Philippians, there's none of that in there. He's telling them to rejoice all the time. Do you think he's a hypocrite? Then what's he doing? He's rejoicing all the time in jail. And that makes him strong, which is why he can be like he is and write like he's right. Come on, can you see this? These are not a weak man's words. This is the Holy Spirit through a strong vessel. And this is how he starts out the letter. He said, many of the brethren in the Lord have heard about me being in jail and they have got bold to speak the word without fear. Well, that obviously makes him happy. And some are preaching Christ out of envy and strife. Their motives are wrong. Their heart is wrong. And Paul was upset about that. And it was bothering him bad because people were not using the gospel right and they were doing some things with wrong motives because he cared about the integrity of the gospel. Actually, no. Verse 16. Some of them's preaching Christ out of contention. They're not sincere in what they're preaching, and they think it's going to bother me. They suppose they're adding affliction to my bonds. Some of them are preaching out of love. They know why I'm here. I'm for the defense of the gospel, and their hearts are right. What then? <laughs> you ought to say that. What then? What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether it's in pretense, whether they're pretending, or whether they're sincere, Christ is preached. Even if their heart's not right, they're hearing some of, something about Jesus, and I'm rejoicing, yeah, and I will rejoice. How, how much better is this than pining away in prison? I got to get out of here. I got to straighten these guys out. Man, they're messing up the doctrine of Christ. They're messing up the gospel. Well, that's you acting like you're bigger than you are. That's acting like God can't defend himself and his gospel without you. And it's refusing to do what he told you to do which was trust Him, rest in Him, and rejoice all the time. Can can you see? It's it's how you look at it. It, it, It's Paul. Would most people see it the way he's seeing it? He called it my gospel. So he felt very personal and possessive about it. My gospel. And they are messing with his gospel. And it's obvious their hearts are not right. Their ministry is not right. What does he say? Hey, Jesus is being preached. Whether they mean for it to be right or not, Jesus is being preached and I'm rejoicing. And I'm going to keep on rejoicing. And he told you just a few chapters later, now you got to rejoice too. All the time you must rejoice. You see this in James. You see this in James. The first chapter and the ninth verse. He said, let the brother of low degree do what? Rejoice in that he's exalted. Verse 10, and let the rich one do what? He's going to rejoice in that he is made low. So if you're poor, what do you do? You rejoice because you're coming up. (laughs) If you're rich, what do you do? You rejoice because you're humbling yourself and realizing that this is not my God. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, same answer. Rejoice. Rejoice. Whether you're going in, you rejoice. Whether you're coming out, you rejoice. Coming up, you rejoice. Going down, you rejoice. 
You're not rejoicing about what the enemy's doing, but you're rejoicing about what he told you and about the good things that he's doing in your life and where you're going to wind up. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Somebody say, I'm rejoicing all the time. All the time. All the time. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Don't turn there. Just put it up on the screen. This is the faith perspective, the faith view. He said, for which cause we faint not? Though our outward man perish, yet the inward man's renewed day by day. What if you experience some weakness and perishing in the flesh? What do you do? You rejoice because the inner man is not perishing and getting weak. The inner man, can you rejoice about something if you know where to look? Yes. Yes, yes, sir. Verse 17, for our what? Light. Light affliction, which is but for a moment. Did Paul go through some stuff? Yes. You know what he's calling light affliction? Being beat with rods, being shipwrecked. Being stoned, yes. being in prison. Yes. If you'd have said, Paul, bless your heart, man, you have been through the mill. He said, ah, light affliction. Right. <laughs> Just for a moment. That's right. Is this how we should think? Yes. Is this how we should believe? Yes. Then you're not stuck night and day on how awful this is and how bad this is and how is my whole life long. It's just for a moment. Amen. And I don't care what it is compared to what God's got working in you and what God has waiting on you, it is light. Not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. It's a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What's the very next verse say? Very next verse says, while we what? Look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are just for a moment. Light and momentary. But the things which are not seen, they are weighty and they are forever. Hallelujah. And if I'm looking at that, I'm rejoicing. If I'm looking at the other, I'm saddened down. Who's it up to what I'm looking at? Whose choice is it? Can I choose to look at something other than what would depress me? And anger me and upset me. <laughs> you learn how to do this. You're going to be hard for the devil to mess with. I'm telling you, you learn how to do this. The enemy, what could the enemy do with Jesus? He threw everything he had at him for 40 days and 40 nights and could not get him to yield to any of it. And finally, the Bible said, left him for a season. Why? He's out of tricks. <laughs> He had to go and regroup and try to come up with something else. This is how you become when the enemy can't get you to look at what you shouldn't be looking at and you keep on looking at what God said and what he did. How you see it makes all the difference. What you're looking at makes all the difference. I don't look at the things that are seen. I look at the things that are not seen. I'm not walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. How can you tell I am? Because I'm rejoicing. I got peace all the time. All the time. No matter what's going on. Still rejoicing. Still rejoicing. Still got my peace. People say, well, you're just unrealistically positive. Yeah, and you ought to see how quickly you could become like this. <laughs> this is much more than just being positive. This is a choice by faith of the heart. And it is a choice to live by faith. And this choice is what pleases God. And part of the reason it pleases Him is because it allows Him to do things for you that He wants to do for everybody. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to John, please. Gospel account of John. I'm thinking about closing. <laughs> that make you rejoice? <laughs> John 14. If you read the account beginning in about chapter 13, 
you know, 13, 14, 15, 16. These are Jesus' last words and fellowship with the disciples before the cross. And uh, as he began to reiterate to them that he's leaving and where he's going, they can't come now, but they'll come later. It really bothered them. It bothered them a lot. And you, you, you can imagine, I mean, their life is so radically different than what it was three years ago. Right? When Jesus came into their life, everything changed. They left everything they knew and followed him. They have seen miracles they never imagined. They have heard such amazing things. They have been in the presence, hallelujah, of glory, of power, of purity, of the awesome wisdom of God. And then he says, uh, I'm leaving and you can't come with me. And they all said, no, no, no. And they begin to be adamant. We will die with you. No, I, it doesn't matter where you're going. We will go too. And, and if we die, we die. We, we're going. We're going. He said, no, you can't come. You can't. Not now. And in uh, the 14th chapter, he began by saying, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. He's talking about what's going to happen later. You're going to get to be with me. This is not going to be forever. In God time, it's a moment. You're going to go through some things, but it's going to be light and momentary. He's wanting them to rejoice about the mansions now. Oh, come on. Can you see this? Put it up there. We're in John 14, verse 1. They're upset. Now, if you've read this, you know this, but if not, go back and read the previous chapter or two and, and you'll see what I'm talking about. They are very distraught about him leaving. And he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Now, why would he say that? Because they're troubled. And what's he telling them? This sounds just like our text. Stop mourning. Stop sorrowing. Right? Right? Don't let your heart sink into this. They're, they're yielding to depression and fear about him not being there and them not being with him. You hear people say all the time, I just don't know, I don't think I could live without mama. I, I just don't think I could live without my husband or my wife. I just, I just don't think I, don't say that. Hundreds of thousands of people left the earth today. Tomorrow, more of them will leave. Yes. In a few days, your family's going to leave. You're going to leave. Yes. The Lord tarries is coming just that long. People are leaving here by the thousands every day. This is part of life. It's foolishness to act like you're going to be down here forever. You know you're not going to be down here forever. Right. Nobody from the 1700s is here. And in a few years, the Lord tarries is coming. None of us will be on the planet. That's not a bad thing. That's not a scary thing. We're going somewhere else. We won't cease to exist. We just relocate. And the Bible said it's far better. You believe it or not? Far better. But see what's going on. He is telling them what to do to overcome this fear and this sorrow. Because he's telling them, just shortly, I'm not going to be with you. But is he comforting them? He's saying, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another comforter. And the word means one just like me. Yes, yes. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Did he do it? Yes. And he said, it's going to be better for you. Yes. Now, I don't know if they believed that at the time or not. But was it true? Yes. It's more expedient, more profitable for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come. He, he won't send. But when I do, he will come. Why? Because he's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. Oh, 24 7. Glory to God. Wouldn't it have been great to be with the disciples and be like they were with Him? You got something better. You got the Spirit of Jesus inside you 24 7. You don't have to wait till Peter gets through talking to Jesus for you to go over and ask Him a question. <laughs> or till He wakes up or till He comes back. And he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Then is it possible to immediately stop it? Yes. You believe in God? Mm -hmm. Believe in me? 
In my father's house are many mansions. What's he wanting them to do? Quit sorrowing. Quit being upset. Quit being angry. Start rejoicing about your mansions. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's why I'm leaving. I'm going to get it ready for you. Then I'm coming back. And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Is he coming again? He said he would come again. I will come again. I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. If you believe that, what would you do? You'd go, well, that's different. All righty then. Tell me more about this mansion. Tell me more. Why? Could you rejoice even though the reality is Jesus is not going to be with you tomorrow? If you pile up and go, well, I can't, I can't, I, 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 no, you can't leave me, Jesus, and holding on to his, his robe. That's being faithless, and it displeases the Lord. And you're acting that way because you chose to do that. And it goes on, apparently they didn't quite get it immediately. If you skip down to verse 27, by the end of the chapter, he said, Peace I leave with you. That means he's still going. He's leaving. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, he's already told him that one time, right? I guess there's still, well, I don't guess. You read the rest of the chapter, they're still struggling with this. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Keep reading. You've heard how I said to you, I'm going away, but I'm coming back. If you loved me, you would rejoice. Because I said, I'm going to the Father. Did you hear what I said? The fa- my Father's greater than I. If you loved me, you'd be rejoicing right now. Instead of sorrowing because you can't see me tomorrow. Because in a few moments, you're going to get to see me. I told you, I'm Go on and get your place ready. I'm coming back. The reason you wouldn't rejoice is because you haven't decided to believe these things yet. This is true with every family member who's a believer. Every spouse, child, grandchild, grandparent. Come on, are y'all with me? If we believe the Bible, then when people leave this earth, We don't sorrow like those who have no hope. And if we love them, I said if we love them and can think about anybody except ourselves, come on y'all with me or not, if we love them, what are we going to do? We would have to. You would rejoice. Why? Because they're no longer dealing with the junk we're dealing with. They're out of here. Hallelujah. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, which is far better than here. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. How many believe Jesus when he said that? It is absolutely the truth. He's preparing a place for us and he is coming back. Do you believe it or not? If you believe it, you have to rejoice. I said you have to rejoice. In the face of death, you rejoice. You can rejoice at the graveside. People don't understand this. But it's being strong, strong, very strong. Not collapsing to feelings and emotions. Oh, you'll have some and you may have a few tears, but don't yield to that and be depressed for days and weeks because that's acting like you don't believe. You stir yourself up. What do you do? They're gone. They're gone. Now, we lost so-and-so. Well, he knows exactly where he is. (laughs) He ain't lost. Is he a believer? Especially if he's a believer. Right? You know where he is. And that's what Jesus was telling them. He said, you you know the way. And, And they said, we don't know the way. Show us the way. He said, I told you the way. Well, show us. He said, I am the way. I am the way. I am how you get from there to here. Oh, friends, 
When you choose to believe, you choose to rejoice. Because you're believing something good. And you can face death itself. You can face the feelings, the symptoms, the problems. You're not rejoicing because you hurt. You're not rejoicing because this bad thing happened. You're rejoicing because what God told you about this. The bigger truth. The bigger picture. You're experiencing some uncomfortable things for a moment. A moment. Somebody say a moment. A moment. And compared to what you're going to experience, they're light. 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 Oh, somebody say light. Don't magnify your problems. Despise them. Diminish them. Don't make big of them. That's the worst thing anybody's ever been through. Are you kidding me? The Bible said everybody on the earth has experienced similar temptations and trials. You are not unique. And you don't know what other people have been through. So quit making yourself out to be the greatest sufferer that's ever been on planet earth. (laughs) Truth is, other folks have been through a lot worse. And maybe didn't act like as big a baby as you've been acting. No, come on. You're more than a conqueror. The greater one's on the inside of you. Choose to look at what he's telling you to look at. Choose to think and talk about what he's telling you to choose to think and talk about. And you'll become strong, strong, very strong. And while other people are crying and feeling sorry for yourself, you're over there rejoicing. Rejoice. What's wrong with them? They have lost their mind. Look at them. Rejoicing like some fool. No, rejoicing like a child of God that can overcome anything in this life. Hallelujah. And walk victory from here all the way to glory on the other side. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. The Lord said, if you love me, you'd be rejoicing. How many love the Lord? Come on, help me see. How many love the Lord? Then you got a scripture. He said, if you love me, you'd rejoice. Let's do it right now. Just lift up your hands. Lord, we rejoice and we give you glory. We rejoice and we give you praise. We rejoice and we magnify your good word and your good spirit and your good name and all the good things that you have planned and that you are doing and that are in the works for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.